Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's guest. She's a two-time OVA All-Star. She's also got a silver and bronze medal from Provincials when she played for Defensa. She's a representative Canada U19 and U21 World Championships, where she's got a top 10 finish. She went on to play at the University of Arizona, where she leaves with an 839 winning percentage, which they list as one of her top ever, ever to go there. So that's a really impressive record. She's got a silver at Adult uh, Beach Provincials, and she won the Canada Cup. And I think if we trace it back far enough, she might be the defending Canada Cup champion. It's been that long since we've hosted one. Please welcome to the show, Jasmine Safar. Jazz, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. So, Jazz, before we get to the, the volleyball part, I got to know, growing up in that Burlington area, I think you can play every sport possible. So, I mean, you're tall, you're left-handed, you're athletic. You probably played a lot of stuff. What, was, what were you into before volleyball became your main thing? So, I played soccer for the longest. Still now, I played soccer longer than I played volleyball. I started when I was two, and I played until I was 15. I did competitive dance, which I know is, like, very obvious. If you've ever seen me do anything, it's extremely <laughs> coordinated. Um... I did basketball for a very short time, did gymnastics. I'm sure there's more that I'm missing. Oh, I did karate. I did like the after school karate. That was fun. I don't know. Pretty much if they offered it, I played every sport in high school because my school was like small. So I just, any season that had a sport, I played. So I played badminton, played flag football, <laughs> played track and field, I did javelin. I went to Austin for javelin. Yeah, I was all over the place. Wow. So with so many opportunities and it sounds like you're doing team sports, individual sports, like a mix of both, what made volleyball the one that you were going to focus on the most? So actually I focused on soccer first and that was my main sport because I started it so young. I started playing competitive when I was like seven because they start teams in ball in soccer at like under eight. So I was seven. I played it until I was under 15, like I said, but when I was around 13 or 14, I kind of stopped playing all the other sports that I was playing. Like, to focus on soccer and my mom was worried that I was going to get injured which is funny actually now that you look at my career and injuries but she was worried I was going to get an injury because I was playing so much of one sport so she was saying I needed an off sport to train on like cross training kind of I don't know I was still pretty young so I was kind of still able to manage more than one sport at a time so the only two other sports that were offered in my area were basketball and volleyball so I actually did basketball first because I didn't want to play volleyball um and I did that for a year but I was so terrible it was so bad I really don't like basketball I'm so bad at it and so then I tried volleyball the next year because I was over basketball and I enjoyed it and I was like yeah I could see myself doing this and then I tried up next year for an actual indoor club and started playing then so do you remember soccer being super competitive when you were like six or seven? Cause I just have a memory of like little kid yeah. soccer being like the ball is a magnet, but I imagine that's like accelerated so much that like even tactically and ball skill wise, like little kids can probably play pretty well. Right. Yeah. I don't know how well I was personally playing at that age. Cause I've blocked most of those memories out, but I think it was pretty good. I don't know. I know it was pretty serious. Cause like one of our travel tournament things when I was eight or nine, my coach got ejected. Like red card, couldn't he was in there, so must have been pretty serious, at least to him. But they start pretty young with the whole going away every weekend and training every day and all that stuff. So, what are your early memories from indoor volleyball? Because that Burlington area seems like the wild, wild west of like volleyball clubs where you can play for like probably a dozen clubs within 20 minutes of your house, right? So, how did you decide on a club and not want to club hop or move over or have a teammate pull you here? Like, it just seems like there's so many opportunities out there. Yeah, so I actually had zero connections in the volleyball world. Um, my parents had never played, and I didn't know anybody who played, so I was starting really from 
ground zero there. And I did the, what's the word? I totally forget, Volley Girls? Is that what the Hurricane Speeder program is? I think it is, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I did that as like a summer camp thing when I was thinking about doing it competitively. And so I went to Hurricanes tryouts because that was the only club that I actually knew about. And I made the second team. This is a little known fact. I was on my first volleyball club team was Hurricanes second team, like 13 year old And I was bummed because I wanted to be on the top team or whatever. But yeah, it was fun. Not good volleyball. I can tell you that. Um, I only stayed there for one year before I moved clubs, but it was good to get started. Like it gave me the spark that I needed to actually get into it. Like I wanted to play more and I wanted to be on a better team. And I wanted to do well. And that was all really good. Um, and that's also the, like that summer I played beach because a bunch of my teammates played it over the summer and I wanted to know what they were doing. So that's when I started beach too. Nice. So when you switched over to Defensa, what were your first impressions there? Because as an outsider, that's a club who likes to go to the U.S. and play. Like I think Autumn Bailey's team like played in a league. That's how much they were going to the U.S. at one point. Uh, a lot of girls commit to going to the USA. Uh, Rob Fernley's a great coach and he certainly got like a, a way of doing things that I think is like his style. Right. So was that something that was appealing to you to like take it so serious that you were going to get into that environment? Yeah, I would say I'm definitely kind of 100 or zero when it comes to everything. So if I was going to do competitive anything, I wanted to do it at the highest level. And not to say that the defense is like the be all and all of clubs, but I knew that they, that's where I could get the most intense training. And I knew that their goal really is to develop athletes to be able to play in the NCAA. And that's what I was interested in doing. Well, vaguely interested in doing this point. I wasn't hundred percent sure, but I thought that I wanted to play volleyball post-secondary. So I was, keeping that in mind. And also I did a bunch of the previous coach I had had, had told me that he wanted to you know, move me into setting the left-handed and like a good height. So I am starting to do the Rob runs clinics outside. I don't know if he still does. I would assume he does runs clinics, not affiliated with defensa on his own time. And a lot of those are setting clinics. So I started going to those because I had no idea how to set and I wanted to get at it. Um, and that's kind of how I got introduced to the club um, because I met him and I met Kevin and I worked a lot on my setting and they were somewhat interested in me as an athlete. And so I just ended up going to try out for them instead of the club that I was previously at. And I loved it. Like I love the environment. It's super fast paced. It's pretty intense, especially for a club team, even the other club teams we were playing against the hours that were practicing. Like it was a lot. It was a big commitment, but um, I really enjoyed it. And I had a really good team. Our team was not even at volleyball even, just we were really, really close. And we had a great group of people and we stayed together pretty much through like our older age groups, which was really nice. And it was just really fun and we had a good time and we I learned a lot there. And I was actually thinking, like for the most part, I was thinking I was going to school to play indoor. So that was really good preparation. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is when did beach uh, become a serious option to play post-secondary? Because even somebody who's just a little bit older than you, like Sophie Bukovic, she started playing indoor because there wasn't that many opportunities to play beach and then got hooked later where uh, I think you coming a, a few years behind her, more and more schools had programs and it was a serious option. So uh, did you ever feel pressure to choose one over the other or you felt that beach was going to be your post-secondary sport? Honestly, I think everybody expected me to go for indoor because at that time I was much better at it and I had a lot more opportunities. I think what it boiled down to was 
I had talked to a few schools for indoor, but especially in the center, the age that you have to commit to a school is quite young. I think I was 15 or 14, so grade nine or 10. And I just didn't know. I only started volleyball five, four years ago. So I wasn't really, really sure like where I wanted to go to school or what I was really committing to. <laughs> and my parents were not involved at all. As in, They didn't talk to the coaches at all. And they didn't never been through this because neither of them played sports in university. So, I mean, they tried to help me out, but they just didn't have similar experience. So I just was confused about what to do. And I just started playing Timo beach stuff. And I really enjoyed beach. And indoor was really fun, but it was a grind. And I knew that if I went post-secondary with it, it was only going to get more of a grind. As in, the practices are long. It's hard on your body. It's a lot of traveling. It's also not outside. There's not the same like, chill, relaxed environment that you have with beach. And there's not the same. You can travel, but you don't get to play on the beach. You get to play in a gym. So those were all things that I was um, considering. And then I was talking to a lot of schools, like I said, for indoor, but it was just, I, I wasn't ready to commit to say yes or no. Like I wanted to wait and none of them were willing to wait. They wanted to know yes or no. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll go for beach and then see what happens with that. Awesome. And then help me with my timeline. Um, were you still in high school when you went to U19 or was that the summer before your first year at Zona? It was the summer before my first year. So uh, were you committed by the time you knew you were going to Youth Worlds? Yeah. So what went into that process? Like, it, obviously, the way you're explaining it makes a lot of sense that indoor is a little bit sooner. But were you in grade like 11 when you started to really look at Arizona seriously? Or when did you have to commit to be on the beach? So I'm a late commit as well. I know that for a fact because I was the last one in my year by like 11 months. Um, yeah, I was super late coming to the beach as well. Even now, I think they had to change the recruiting rules, which definitely fact check me on that. But I know that the recruiting rules recently changed because the recruiting was getting earlier and earlier and earlier until they were recruiting like people in middle school, grade seven and stuff. So I talked to a few schools for beach, but it was more of like a beach indoor combo where I would do both. And then I was like, I don't really know if I want to do both. Like I kind of just want to do one. So then I was exploring my options with that. And I went to visit a bunch of schools, which I think is pretty common even now. Like you go and you do your unofficial, which means that it's under your dollar, right? You're paying for it. And I did kind of like a tour of a bunch of schools I was interested in going to. And then I came back and none of them were really, they were fine, but it wasn't like, yeah, I want to go here for sure. And then I started talking to Arizona because um, Angie Shen knew that I was looking for universities and Kira Ianon, like the twins coach in BC, knew that I was looking for schools as well. And she was assistant coaching at Arizona when I was looking. So she, I reached out to her and she put me in contact with the head coach and she was actually gone by the time I got there to go head coach a different school, but she's the connection that I had to Arizona. So I went there on my unofficial and I really liked the campus and it seemed like I could see myself going there and they gave me a great offer, honestly. So um, yeah, I committed. I committed there without ever having been coached by the coach or seeing the team play, which is pretty uncommon, but it's just, I couldn't get down to Arizona to do their clinics. It's a long, long way expensive. And so that was something that I was kind of up in the air about because I didn't know if I was going to like the coaching. I didn't know if I was going to like the girl. I didn't really know them at all. But yeah, so I committed on right after March break of my grade 11 year. 
Okay, nice. And then how did uh, Worlds fit into that? Like, obviously, maybe you're you're a late start to Beach, maybe you're not, but uh, knowing what World Championship was and going to a trial, like, was that something that you and Michaela had talked about as a goal? Or was that like just a tournament you heard it was happening? You're like, oh, that sounds like fun. I'll do it. Like, uh, let me just like fit in when you got to represent Canada for the first time. Yeah, so me and Kayla started, Kayla and I, I guess, started playing together, I think in 2016 or 2017. She knows these dates, like, back to front. You could ask her any tournament. She'd be like, oh, that was the summer of 2017, and it was May, and it was, like, this hot. Like, she knows all that stuff. So she'll definitely fact-check me, but I think it was 2016 when we started playing together, and we played together that summer, and then there was, I probably have the dates wrong, but anyway doesn't really matter we were playing together that summer and i was training as much as i could given my indoor schedule at at downsview with team mo over the winter and so over the winter there's a couple tournaments where there's trials and there's like the world's trials the north Seca trials and all that stuff so we decided to play in them because there's not a lot of beach tournaments going on in the winter so it's like the ones that are around you do want to play them and we played north Seca's too and that was just kind of a, these girls are older than us and more experienced and maybe we won't get the results we wanted, but it's really, really good for our development. We played those and then we played our own world trials and we definitely knew what was at stake theoretically. Like we knew that it was for worlds and where they were and blah, blah, blah. But it does feel different when you're just playing it down to you. Like it just felt kind of like another tournament. And then when we, we played that weird third, second place game to actually qualify, we lost in our semi and then we won our bronze and then you know that whole thing so then we played the team who came, lost the final and we won so it was a game to go and when we won that it was kind of like whoa this is going to be pretty crazy and it was it was like the first time i'd ever represented my country and it was all the way in china it was a good time definitely learned a lot yeah how did you kind of get familiar with the process where like yes you're going to get to represent china but like as Canada too, you're in the qualifier. So you're going to invest all this time and money to go to a tournament where you have to win to get in the tournament. Like was any part of that, like maybe uh, intimidating or just uncertain that you're kind of like, I have to do this and I might play one match. It was totally like totally freaked me out for sure. And I got really nervous, but I don't think it really shut in until I was there because I don't know. It was, I knew it was a big tournament and I knew there'd be all these teams from all over the world. And I knew all of that, but then I got there. I was like, oh my gosh, there's all these teams from all over the world. This is a huge tournament. This is a big deal here and all that stuff. And then I remember our first practice at the venue, me and Kayla were just not <laughs> playing well. And our coach pulled us aside and said, it's okay to be nervous, guys. Like, this is stressful for sure. Um, we were just like, yeah, we're so nervous. Like, the both of us were just super scared because, you know, it's a lot of pressure. And the teams that you're playing are good. And the draw is really like not in your hands at all. So that was pretty crazy. And obviously it would have been better to qualify as Canada one, but yeah, play the hand you've been dealt. So pretty grateful to go either way. And we didn't end up winning in qualifiers either. We lost in our first round of qualifiers. And that's a bummer, right? Because you go all the way out there and you lose in the first game and then that's it. But it was still a really good experience getting to train with all the other teams who were knocked out at whatever point and see all the other games and cheer on the other Canada teams. Like the whole experience was really good. I obviously wish the game would have gone better, but it really put a fire under my butt for like the next time I would have that opportunity or if I would have the opportunity again 
really capitalize. Yeah, because I was just looking ahead to your 2019 year, like you and, and Leah obviously played it and took a ninth there and did quite well. But uh, I mean, at, at the time, you probably didn't notice, but uh, Orsi Toth was at that event and she's playing on tour full time. Uh, the younger Betchart was there. Uh, Shun, who is tearing it up at Elite 16s with the Netherlands right now, didn't even qualify. So it's just funny how Youth Worlds works out and you see some of the same names, but the results are a little bit tricky. So uh, you go and you complete a, a full year at Zona and then you try out for Worlds again. So just to wrap up the Canada part, uh, how did that experience in U19 help you at U21? Obviously, it's a different partner, but did you kind of feel more comfortable second time around? Yeah, so I broke my ankle at U21 Worlds. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't. <laughs> uh, so we did come ninth, and obviously, not to make excuses, but in our round of 24, I like, you know, I'll get to the whole story, I'm sure, but I like fell over basically in the beginning of our second set. We'd won our first set. And then I was like, oh, oh boy, like something's really wrong with my foot. But I was like, this is Worlds. Like, I've already, I'm here. I'm going to play on it, whatever. But I couldn't run and I couldn't jump like at all. So we finished that game and we ended up winning because we'd already won the first set. And so we lost the second because we were trying to figure out how to make it work. When I like, we we're trying to figure out how to adjust to, you know, give us the best chance of getting through the game. And then we won our third set. And so that was in the evening of like the Saturday, I think that was our round of 24. We played round of 16 the next morning against Thailand, which was the host country. So we played them on center court in like the big stadium thing. And I was wrapped to the nines. My ankle was like covered in tape and I still couldn't run or jump. And we played that massive Thai girl, like the one who's like six foot four or something. She's just doing really well on tour right now too. She's playing with the same partner too. Um, yeah, we went to three, we lost. But I was uh, going through it for lack of a better term. <laughs> I had no idea. Cause like you said, yeah, you, you won a set on that foot to, to win your round. And then, yeah, just for our listeners, win 21-18, lose 16, and then lose a heartbreaker 15-8 in the third against the home country. So um, obviously you're quite young. So even to get like any type of thing for the pain probably wasn't even an option. Like you're, you're not even with like a medical staff to get a prescription. You're just literally taped up and playing on adrenaline. And did like, did Leah go to the net and block? Did nobody block? Like, how did you navigate this? So that was our problem in the Poland game, which was our round of 24, because we, the first set we like did, we played Poland in the lead up to the tournament as one of our preparatory like practice games. And they were the team that we played against, like we had a good chance against them. We played well. So our first set was not very close, I don't think. And then our second set, we were doing, like we had just started. I think it was like the first point of the game that I pulled or peeled off the net and my foot got stuck in a hole and like, and so turned sideways. And Later, this is off the timeline because this was like probably eight months past, but I, that's when I learned that I had um, like torn all my ligaments and I tore a tendon down the middle and it evolved and fractured my ankle. So it also had a broken bone. But I just thought I sprained it really bad because colloquially they tell you that like a sprain and a break hurt the same. I just thought I sprained my ankle really badly. So actually I fell over when I was pulling. I got the ball up and then Leah set me and she's like, <laughs> like, Come on, put it over. I can't. I don't know what happened, but I can't get up. But then we tried because I took a timeout, but I didn't want to take a medical because I didn't want to get all stiff. So I was like, just give me like a regular timeout. I took a minute, and Angie was basically like, "Do you want to play or do you want to not play? Like, you have to decide now." And I was like, "No, I'm playing." And then she's like, "Okay, so you'll defend, and Leah will block." And you're like, "Yeah, that makes sense." But I couldn't run or chase anything, and we've been playing as me blocking and Leah defending the entire tournament. So I just kind of really threw us off because. We hadn't been doing that. So instead of doing that uh, in the third set, 
first of all, I just started ripping my serves so I didn't have to run up. So it was either in or it was in, it was nice or it was out by like 30 <laughs> feet. And that was just what we were going with. And Leah defended. And when she was serving, I just stood up the net and I didn't jump. I just put my hands up. <laughs> and then when I was serving, we just played two back. <laughs> That's amazing because here I am a few years later and I go, oh, they took a ninth and I look at the names, I look at some of the games, like, oh, that's a solid tournament. I didn't realize you played basically two international matches on one foot. Yeah, it was a good time. The annoying thing there is, to go back to the original question, I thought, like, I felt so much more comfortable in that tournament, partially because I didn't have to play the qualifiers, so that way it was taken off my shoulders, but I knew what to expect. And, like, I knew what the environment was going to be like. I'd been to one of them before. Um, we had a training camp and I was ready for the heat and like all of it, the environment, the people. And it was a lot of the same teams that were at the Worlds I was at earlier. So I was pretty excited because I thought we had a really good chance of doing well. Um, and I thought we did, and then I just sucked. But it, I mean, I did my best and we did her best, but we just kind of ran into some unfortunate circumstances there. But I thought we could have taken out the podium. It was a little disappointing. But overall, it is what it is. And it was definitely a once-in-a-lifetime experience there. <laughs> Crazy, crazy. So to, to jump back one step and just cover the season at Arizona, uh, very interesting that you didn't know the other athletes or the coach there, but you still put up huge numbers. Like that was your 26 and five year where uh, you're still on the all time list for one of the best career winning percentages. Um, I think it says you sit second in school history with an 839. So uh, how does it work at Arizona within like the concept of teams within teams? How did they match you with a partner? I think they identified you as a blocker and obviously you wanted to receive on the right side, being a lefty. Like what was there to get used to when you arrived on campus, when you're just trying to learn everybody's name and figure out who you're going to play with? Yeah. So it was a really great year. My freshman year was by far like results wise, my best year there for many reasons. But when I got there, it was really different than what I used to volleyball wise because the coach there, Steve Walker is a super technical guy. And he has a very specific technique that he likes to teach his athletes. And I had never done any of it. Like I never done any of his camps. So I didn't even know that there was a way that he liked the games we played. And so I got there and there's just so much for me to learn because I didn't know the system at all. And it was down to like where your feet should be when you're passing and like where you're running when you're setting the angle of your approach and everything. And so there's a lot to learn, but the way it works at NCAA schools is right. You have that four month or a two month period where it's eight hours a week and you're just doing small group work. Um, so in that time I was just learning everything for the first time. And it was definitely overwhelming because I just felt like I was so far behind because a lot of the girls in my year had been going to these clinics and learning this technique before. So I just had no idea what I was doing. It was like jumping right into the deep end. But I really liked the people on my team. Like we were really close and everything. And I actually got partnered up with another freshman who I played with the entire season. Uh, Sarah Blacker, and she was one of my best friends on the team, which was pretty cool. So I was a blocker when I came in, and they always had me as a blocker, and I just usually play right side because I'm lefty, and so there's that opportunity for two ball, and also it's just, I like it better, I don't know, it's more comfortable for me, and most of the people I play with prefer to play on the left, so it worked out well. But yeah, he just put us together for a fall tournament, and usually the partnerships mix up a lot in the fall, like you switch around. But Steve put me and Sarah together and we did well. And so he just put us together the next weekend and we did well. And he put us together again. <laughs> we did well. And so then at the beginning of the season, we were putting up good results. And so we got in the lineup, which was super exciting for me because I thought as a freshman, I was just going to, you know, learn and 
be a practice player, but I didn't know if I was going to get the opportunity to play in game. So it was super, like, it fired me up to be able to play as soon as I got there. And we were at the fours, I think, and we just did really well, and we just kept doing well. So it kept us together and ended up playing the whole season together. And it was a lot of fun. Um, to be fair, each year Arizona has a more and more competitive schedule because it's kind of in a hard place, not a hard place to get to, but other schools don't always want to travel to Arizona because it's not like on the way to anywhere else. It's very separate from the other schools. Like if you go to California, you can have a lot of games there. So our schedule my freshman year was not the most competitive, not to like <laughs> knock myself down on I mean, it. It's still a good winning percentage, but we did have a fair few games against programs that were still developing. So as I stayed there longer, our schedule got more and more competitive each year, which was super awesome to see. And I'm sure it's going to be the most competitive that it's ever been. But there's a lot of time to like work as a partnership and figure out how to play with each other. Now, one thing I, I do enjoy about the NCAA that I just don't think we get here in Canada and especially in Ontario, where like I'll joke with Garrett that like Western has rivals, but it's not the same as some of these NCAA schools where like Sophie Bukovic told me if she wore anything blue, she was getting kicked out of practice or the weight room because USC just like hates UCLA. So I am curious. Uh, you did mention strength of schedule, but like playing Arizona State, is that one that like everybody fires up for just because it's like, you know, we were the best Arizona and there's a little bit more fighter. Was there any other school that you felt was like a rivalry game that like girls on your team or alumni or even fans are like, Ooh, this is a big one. So I think we probably had three main rivals. ASU is our biggest one just because the history of the two schools, um, you know, forks down and all that for life. Uh, I've never been to ASU, like except their volleyball facility, which isn't on campus. So I have nothing to say about their program, but I'm born hating them because of where I went to school. But uh, it was always pretty intense when we played them. And when we had home tournaments, we'd always make the game against them the last one, and it was under the lights, and all the students would come out, and that was pretty fun. Um, and then GCU, which is actually where Donna goes, is Grand Canyon University. They're also in Arizona. And so when we played against them, it was kind of like we want to prove that we're the best team in the state always. So playing against them was always kind of who's going to take it because they've always been a little bit more competitive than Arizona State. So the games are more close and harder to win. And then actually Cal, I wouldn't say is a rivalry, but Cal's in our conference and we lost to them three years in a row to get kicked out of Pac-12s. Like they were the loss that booted us from Pac-12s. And this year we beat them at Pac-12s, which was like the first time we've done that. I don't know if, it, I don't think in program history, but in a long time. And so that was, I don't think there was any bad blood between the two schools, but it definitely was like a personal, we want to get them this time. And then when you do get a chance to play against like a UCLA or someone else from the Pac-12, like, is it easy to get up for those games? Cause they're just labeled as like big schools or big programs. Yeah, for sure. It's always fun playing in conference because it's just a whole new, sometimes the camera crews are out there for Pac-12 network and stuff. It's just a whole new level of like intensity. UCLA and USC are always like really fun, but really hard because the schools are obviously really, really good. Um, and there's an element of, I don't even know what to call it, like David and Goliath, I guess, for lack of a better term, where a lot of the girls on my team would be not scared, but definitely apprehensive. Like this is a, you know, some big girls that were playing, playing in the AVP and stuff. And a lot of the girls on my team are serious about volleyball for sure, but they're not 
planning to pursue it after college. So it was definitely stressful sometimes playing them, but it was also good because you have nothing to lose against those schools as a program like ours. And, you know, that's how they play the games. Anybody could be anybody, and I love doing it because it's super competitive, but they are really good. They're super polished, both those teams. Yeah, they're hard to play against. Um, and believe me, I can edit this out if you're not comfortable. Just looking at how well you did your freshman year and then coming off an injury, uh, just one thing I've learned by doing the show and talking to other high-performing athletes is, like, did you – have to do anything extra to kind of get over just the distraction of being injured and what i mean by that is sometimes your identity is wrapped into it or for you being a canadian at arizona you're like i'm here to play volleyball and i can't play volleyball like what am i doing here like was there any kind of struggles or difficulties or any, any tips you can give to some of our listeners about how you got over that where like like i said that's a lot of hours you're trying to replace that's a lot of adrenaline like that's a lot of joy you're having that now you can't do because of your foot right mm-hmm. i would say it's definitely the perfect storm because I didn't start having serious problems with my ankle until, because I went home, played the whole summer on it, and then played the whole fall season on it because I just thought I sprained it and like it was fine now. And then it started really hurting in like January, February. So I went and got it checked out, got an MRI. That's when I figured out I had all those problems. And then I was like, okay, that's it. You're done for the season. You're going to have to get surgery. Like this is a long recovery. You'll be back next year or whatever. But my season was looking promising up until that point. So that was a big disappointment because I was still playing with Sarah. We were moving up the lineup. I was fired up for having a new season. And it wasn't the only reason I was there. I mean, I'm there to get my degree as well, but it was one of the big reasons I was there. So not to be able to do that was really hard. And it was also when COVID happened. I got my surgery in March of 2020. Um, and so I went into surgery and everything was normal. And then I came out and then our team, like season was canceled and everybody was flying back home and everything. And I was really high on pain meds, so I was not really <laughs> sure what was going on. And so I stayed in Arizona for a bit to recover, but then I had to fly home earlier than I was planning to because they were closing the borders and it wasn't essential travel. So I had to fly home early, I had to get my leg recasted early, and then I had to do all my rehab at home over telehealth. And that was really difficult because the only person holding me accountable was myself. And... Um, it was just like, it's a big injury and it's a lot of rehab to go through. So I was doing like two hours a day of rehab for like seven months. And it took me a lot longer than it was projected to because I didn't have any resources at my disposal. Um, and so when I got back to school, I still wasn't cleared. So that was, I think, seven months later. And then I worked at school for another month to like get myself fully cleared to play. And I got fully cleared in the beginning of September. And then at the end of October... I got, I dislocated my shoulder in my sleep, which is like a crazy story as well. Not really a story. That's the whole story. Dislocated my shoulder in my sleep. I woke up and I couldn't move my arm at all. It wasn't only dislocated, but I also got thoracic outlet syndrome. I don't know if you know what that is, but basically your shoulder slips out of its socket and it can cut off um, like a bunch of your nerves and your blood vessels and everything. So I went to practice and I was like, I can't move my arm. It was my left arm. And so then I was out for that entire season as well, trying to figure out what was wrong with it. Like I went to a bunch of doctors, got a bunch of MRIs. And that was scary because like I just couldn't move my arm at all. So I didn't know that was going to be like forever thing or if that was going to get better or whatever. So at that point, I wasn't really worried about volleyball. And then after that, <laughs> I got home for the summer and that was last summer. So that was when I was playing next gen or uh, summer development team. And that was my first summer back from injury in like two years. So it was definitely hard from the front, like we talked about, about my 
I think everybody has some aspect of like I am my volleyball and volleyball is and it took me some time to figure out like what other things I was interested in what other things like made me the person that I am and I kind of learned to have other interests or like pursue other things started playing guitar which I do still I like got a job I a bunch of other stuff that I didn't really have like the time for quote unquote at that time and it helped me figure out what else I like to do but it was still really hard because like I knew what I like to do as well I want I couldn't do it um yeah it just sounds like it was all coming at once right because of the injury things are one thing but like for COVID to take away even the opportunity for you to be on campus and have access to like the medical staff like when you say telehealth like you would call in and like would you get the same therapist every time or was just somebody picking up your file saying like okay now we're gonna do this like so I really liked my therapist at um Arizona her name's Emily Johnson and she was our AT or like athletic trainer for the whole time I was there and she worked with me a lot obviously because I had a lot of problems um (laughs) So she was the one who was like supervised my surgery and everything. And she was the AT for our team. So she was doing everything she could. It was just hard on her end too, because she was always the one dealing with the COVID protocols and everything that was coming through from the school because she was the con- contact between the school and the athletics department. So she was like, had a lot on her plate already. So I had programs that I was supposed to do. Like I knew what exercises and everything I was supposed to do. And she would call me and demonstrate them if I didn't know what they were. And then I'd have, I'd have to like send her a video of me walking. Like my mom would have to take a video of me walking down the street. She'd have to look at my gate and stuff. Cause I thought we learned like all that stuff and we would FaceTime and I'd do my exercise and she'd be like, yeah, but watch out for this, that kind of stuff. So she was doing her best to help me out. But I think I only got on video with her like three or four times over the summer. Everything else was through like email. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for sharing so much about the injury stuff. So just to jump ahead once more, uh, one thing I found neat just about your career in general, but also your age group is just the ability to play with different people where you might go to Worlds with Michaela Lahis, then you'll play with Leah Monkhouse, then you'll finish uh, second at our provincials with Donna. Like, what is it about uh, your ability to kind of get the best of your partner or just be willing to answer a phone call and say, hey, do you want to play this tournament? And you'll go play with anybody. Yeah, it's definitely a combo of things. Uh, there's a lot of really good people my age, which helps is the first thing probably. <laughs> um, so a lot of opportunity to play against people who are play with people who are really skilled. Um, I don't know what it is about our age group that people switch around partnerships so much. It's definitely something a lot of people have commented on. Um, and I think part of it is like everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses to bring. And that's true with every partnership. And being able to switch around and see what's happening with other people is always good for my own game to see what areas I could improve or what is really helpful for them. And same thing goes for the people I'm playing with. Like Everybody has their own skill set and being able to use that to our advantage as a team is always a good thing. I don't know why it works well. I think, I mean, I'm friends with all those people outside of volleyball. So the chemistry part was never something I had to work for. Um... I think it would be harder if we didn't know each other at all and then we're trying to play together. But I don't really know, to be honest. <laughs> Just go out there and have a good time. Like, is there anything formal you do? Like, even, like, um, how you want to communicate, how you want to be spoken to? Like, does everybody just know you're going to play right side generally? Like, and you want to block or, like, do you split? Like, what are some things that go into the conversation? Are you honestly just such a gamer that you'll, if, if you get along with somebody, you'll play with them? I would say yes to 
if I thought we had a chance of being competitive, I would say yes to pretty much anybody. Unless I like they were a total B <laughs> word. Because um, I feel like most of the time I like to uh, enjoy the time I'm spending with people I'm playing with. So I don't know. Like I, I'm trying to play left or right. I played left my last season at Arizona because my partner wanted to play right. That's not a huge deal for me. Um, I'm more comfortable on the right, but it is what it is. Like still volleyball, so not a huge difference. As for blocking defending, I've never really gotten the chance to play defense that much. Uh, I wish I had the chance to do it more. I'm actually playing splitting with Anna Lick this weekend at the university games or whatever. But that'll be fun. Um, but I'm down to play defense. I'm down to block. I just like playing. Um, it's definitely a conversation. Like, oh, what do you want to do? And if it's something that's really opposite than what I want to do, then we'll talk about it. But usually I'm pretty open whatever it is my partner wants to do. Like, I know when I play with Donna, she likes to defend. I know when I play with Leah, she also likes to defend, but maybe we'll split a bit more because she's used to blocking a bit more often. When I play with Kayla, I know I'm blocking, and maybe we'll switch who plays right side because she also likes the right side. Like, it just depends on what people are comfortable with. Yeah, some of our listeners might be perking up saying, well, you're going to play for U of T this upcoming weekend where they might not think you're a U of T student. So one, congratulations on attending the University of Toronto this fall. But uh, how did that partnership come together? Did Anna have the same impression we did? Where she's like, what? You go to U of T? We should play in this tournament. So it was actually me who reached out to her because I got the email about the university game that I knew I was going to U of T because I just accepted their offer. And so I was like, oh, that would be a fun tournament to play. And like, I didn't really know what it was going to be. And I knew that none of my other friends were playing at school in Canada, so I couldn't ask them. And I knew that Anna was still at U of T, so I asked her if she was even eligible because I didn't know the rules that well, still don't. Um, and she said she was, so I was like, great, do you want to play together? And I asked her early in the summer, probably like May or June. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I just need to talk to um, like Anna Fiora, and then I'll get back to you on it. Because uh, they had to talk about their schedule for stuff. And then she messaged me back like a month later. I said, yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. That's pretty much it. <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, so one thing I thought was cool, because one, we're, we're back into normal events, and I got to see you play a lot this summer, where your name wasn't called, and you don't make the national team, but you still come to the events. You still train with some of the athletes. You still play a bunch of tournaments. And sure enough, like you're you're beating up on some national team athletes, where I think you did really well at FISU. You did well at Narsika Trials. So was there any discomfort from you, or you're kind of just like, what, I'm, I'm going to play beach volleyball whether I, I'm funded or not or if I'm the team or not like I'm still going to do this like was there any thought of it like oh maybe this isn't for me or like you're just such a gamer that you're like on the team not on the team who cares new partner this week like I'm just going to win tournaments well I'm not going to front and be like yeah I didn't affect me at all but I was kind of, like I was obviously upset about it um, when it happened I thought I had a good chance I didn't make it it was upsetting but you know it happens like what am I going to do about it <laughs> I can sit there and complain and be like, oh, I didn't make the team, I didn't make the team. But, you know, volleyball's, the great thing about this sport is whether or not you're on the team, you still get to attend tournaments, you still get to, they were gracious enough to let me train with them still uh, because I was playing with Lada who was in the training group. Um, so it was a different summer from some perspectives, but I still got to do what I wanted to do, which was play and train. And there was definitely a lot of bumps along the road because of the way things played out. But I wouldn't have done it differently and I couldn't have done it differently because I had to go with what was in front of me. But I don't know. I didn't want to make it like a revenge thing either because it's not that 
I don't think it was a personal thing against me. I don't think the national team was like, Jasmine Safari is going to get cut because we don't like her. Like, <laughs> it is what it is. And I want to play volleyball because that's what I want to do, not because I'm trying to like reenact some revenge thing. Like, I'm not going to beat this team because I want to get back at the national team. I'm going to beat this team because I want to win the tournament. And me and Kayla talked about that before we played our first couple of tournaments because we just wanted it to be like about having fun and playing together and playing volleyball and not about like politics of the volleyball Canada stuff. Nice. Well Which said. It's out of our control. For sure, for sure. So uh, some of your fans might be perking up and saying, well, you're going to be at U of T, so uh, I got to ask what's next. Are you putting the shoes back on or now that you live in the GTA, is that an opportunity to train beach throughout the winter? Have you even made your mind up? I'm, I'm just wondering, uh, a few of our listeners might be treating this as breaking news, so I'm just curious if you could fill us in. I don't know how it, my fan club is going to be on this one, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. I am going to see what's going to happen with beach, but I still don't know what what I'm going to try and pursue yet. And then indoor wise, I told Christine that I wasn't going to play for them, but um, I might go and play in practice a bit and see how that goes. Maybe I'll miss it. I want to go back or maybe I'll be like, you know what, there's a reason why I went to play beach and I want to keep playing beach. Um, wouldn't rule it out, but I definitely wouldn't say it's like a strong possibility. Uh, I think I just going to kind of see what I like to do. I'm enjoying things. <laughs> Awesome. No promises either way. Yeah, well, well, your fan club, I'm sure we'll all be rooting for you. And yeah, we're not afraid to speculate. So we'll see what's going to happen. But uh, we'll be eager either way. <laughs> nice. Well, this has been awesome to hear about your career and get the behind the scenes. Like I said, I thought I was paying attention to the results, but apparently I didn't even know you were playing on one leg at Youth Worlds and to take a good result there. But uh, I was hoping you could share one more story for us where we just made a tradition on the show to share one laugh because I think the volleyball community is pretty unique and something odd or funny must have happened along the way. Yeah, so I have two, and one's really short, and it's about Kayla. She's going to kill me, but I tell everybody the story, so like, she's just going to have to deal with it. It's so funny. We were playing in Quebec for a team in Ontario. I think we had like a training camp in Quebec, and Kayla doesn't speak French at all. Like, She speaks the bare minimum, and which is totally fine, but it's just like this, this group of people was playing for fun on a sixes court, and the ball rolled over to the group that we were like touring the venue with. And she threw it back to them. And they were like, merci. And she was like, beaucoup. <laughs> didn't know what it meant. So she's like, they're like, thanks. And she's like, a lot. <laughs> and she was so confident in it. And just turned around. And they're all laughing. And she's like, it's so funny. And she hates that everybody knows that. But it's so funny. <laughs> um, and then the other one is, when we were in China for Worlds, the, the hotel we were staying at only served three meals. It was dumplings, fried rice, or noodles. And we were there for two weeks. And I was so tired of eating dumplings, fried rice, and noodles. And I really wanted to eat something else. And Angie was our coach there, and she speaks Mandarin. So she could go to, like, hole-in-the-wall places and order from family restaurants and stuff. So she was at the venue later than we were. And Kayla didn't care about the meal options. She was like, I'm just going to eat at the hotel. And I was like, well, I want to go meet Angie and eat where she's eating. And she was at the other hotel, which is like a 10 minute taxi ride. But I didn't know how to speak Mandarin and I didn't want to try and get in a taxi by myself because I thought that was going to be like dangerous. And I, like, in China, it's really hard with the cell service and VPNs and stuff. So I didn't know how to like call her and stuff. And so I just figured out like, okay, well, I know approximately how you would drive from our hotel to that hotel. So if I just run, then I'll get there. And it'll be approximately the same time because the taxis don't go that fast. 
And we were in like rural China, so there's no streetlights and it was dark. And so I was like, okay, so I got, I got my phone and I got my wallet and I just ran <laughs> or tried to run to the restaurant. And it was really hot. There's like all these bats flying around. And I got like halfway there and I was like, I think I'm going the wrong way. Like I didn't know where I was, but you can't use maps because I didn't have any cell service and I couldn't, I didn't have data. So I was like, I'm just going to run around the city until I see somebody that I know. Um, and then I was running toward like what I thought was the right direction. And I saw a group of people and one of them I recognized was Robert Kemp's family. And I was like, perfect. They're probably going to meet Angie. So this was probably like 25 minutes later, 30 minutes later. And I ran up to them and I was like pouring sweat. And I was like, are you guys going to like meet Angie for dinner? Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, that's where I was trying to go. And they're looking at me like I'm crazy because like, why are you sweating? Why did you come out of the forest? What was going on? And I was like, oh, I just like wanted to try and run here because I didn't want to call a taxi. And they were like, oh, obviously appalled. And when I walked in, Angie was so mad. She's like, why did you just call me? We could have called a taxi. Like, that was so dangerous. I was fine. There was nobody around. But uh, that was pretty good. It was worth it for the food, for sure. How, how soon after did your parents hear that story and have a freak out? Oh, my parents just thought it was funny. <laughs> They know how fast I am. They weren't worried. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Another good one. So like I said, thanks again for sharing all that you did. It was cool to hear about your career. And yeah, nice, nice story to close it where I'm glad you think it's funny, but uh, I, I'd be on Angie's side where like, yeah, that was, that was a bonehead mistake. <laughs> oh, never a mistake for the food. Thank you for having me. Yeah, that was great. Thanks again.